Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It, your host, Paul, and for the next hour and a half, we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. Of course, as always, you'll get a heavy dose, my opinion. If you have an opinion, number to call, 646 that's 646-727-07. Straight in the way. Seem to be good. Okay, 646-727-3070. Talking sports, having fun, doing it. Go for it, Blog Talk Radio. Paul Gang here. Great show lined up for you today. Seem to be joined by Adonal Foyle. And Adonal Foyle used to play for the Golden State Warriors, play for the Magic as well. He has a great book out, new book out, Winning the Money Game. And we're going to talk to him about that book. It's about athletes and money. And, you know, we, we've heard the story all over and over again. Athletes and money and guys going broke. So we're going to talk to Donald Boyle about that. Also, Kyle Singler will be joining us. Okay, Thunder. Kyle will be talking about his new deal. So contract with OKC. Five years, $25 million. So we're going to talk to Kyle about that. Also, comedian Joey Law will be joining us. Joey's doing some big things out there in LA, California, Los Angeles, doing that whole scene, the comedy scene out there. So we're going to talk to Joey about that as well. And as we go throughout this show, we're going to talk SBs, Caitlyn Jenner, and that whole situation. Summer League play, Major League Baseball as well. We'll get to it all as we go throughout the course of this hour and a half. Let's start with baseball. Uh, the second half getting started, underway today. The back, the All Star break is over. Home run derby, All Star game over. And, you know, I, I get on my soapbox about the home run derby. I get on my soapbox about the MLB All-Star game. Both of them are equally boring, um, especially the Harlem Derby. And, and I, I get on here each and every year, especially around NBA All-Star time, and I tell you that the best All-Star game that is done is done by the NBA in terms of the whole weekend and everything. You could argue that's really not that great, but it's a lot better than the Pro Bowl. It's a lot better than NHL hockey. And it's a lot better than Major League Baseball and what they do for all the weekend. Stink. They stink. And, and that's the reality of the situation. You're not going to be thoroughly entertained when it comes to an all-star game. I mean, baseball, you know, obviously the winner of the particular all-star game, that league gets home court, home field advantage, excuse me, in the World Series. But I mean, even with that little uh, carrot out there dangling, 
no one still really cares. They really still don't care. But you you look at it, second half of the Major League Baseball season, today, as I look at the standings, and I go through and I look around, look at the American League East, the Yankees are up three and a half games, first place, Red Sox in the cellar, six and a half back. Obviously, not done. You can make that up. But the Yankees being in first place, I think, is uh, a, it's a surprise. Uh, a lot playing big-time baseball is a surprise. But the Yankees are in first place in the American League East. I don't know who said that at some season. You look at the American League Central. You've got Karen, Kansas City on top of the NL Central, AL Central, excuse me. Maybe someone would have thought, hey, it was a fluke with the uh, Royals last year, but they're not a fluke. They're legit. And, and them being in first place is not a surprise. Not a surprise. The Tigers being nine and a half back is a little bit of a surprise. You know, uh, you expect a little more of the Tigers. You look at the West. How about the Houston Astros? Up until, you know, the last week or two, this team was in first place. Now they're, they lost six in a row. Now they're half a game back at the uh, Anaheim Los Angeles Angels. So you look at that particular division, obviously you don't expect and didn't expect Houston to be the second spot or be number two in the AL West, or, or at least even contending for a playoff spot for that matter. You look at the NL East. You have the Washington Nationals up two games over the Mets. That's not unexpected. Many expected the Nationals to be in first place in the NL East. Look who's last in the NL East, the Philadelphia Phillies, worst team in baseball, 62 losses, what, 33 games below 500, a bad baseball team. NL Central, St. Louis, you know, this is a team, two and a half games up, even after all the heroics by the Pirates, those last two games before the All-Star break, you know, the Cardinals are two and a half up, and, you know, losing at Wainwright earlier in the season, that's huge, but somehow, some way, have kept this going. And you look at now St. Louis on the NL Central, the Pirates two and a half back, and the Pirates got to a slow start. But they, they've really turned it on of late, a good June, a good July, 18 games under 500, over 500, excuse me, in the second place in the NL Central. And then you look at the NL West, you got the Dodgers there in first place. Giants in second, four and a half back. And the big surprise the Padres. I mean, the Diego comes to this season. You talk about the big moves that they made. Matt Flyers, Justin Upton, James Shields. I mean, they made some big-time moves, splash moves in the offseason. And then it comes to, to actual practice and actual play, and they go out and play, and then they have not been getting it done. Manager's gone. It's a mess out there in San Diego. Unexpected. So you, you look at that, and you ter in terms of form, you expected the Nationals to be in first place. You, you expect the Cardinals to be there, and you expected the Giants to be there. Um, excuse me, the Dodgers being in first place and then out they out like I said Yankees are a little bit of a surprise Boston 
and in the cellars. Watch for the Orioles, though. Watch for the Orioles in that second half. And you look at Sanity being good, not a surprise. And then the Astros being right there in second place in the AL West. And that's so weird when you talk about the Astros being in the American League. That's just weird. Yeah, that's going to take some time to get you. Well, so, uh, you're used to it. But, I mean, it's just strange. But you look at the Astros, if the season was to end today, Twins Astros will be the wild card in the American League and there in the National League. Season ends today. Pots and the Cubs would be the wild card teams there in the National League. And you look at, again, the Pirates, a team that, you know, if they were in any other division in first place, but they happen to be in the Central, they happen to be in the same division. As the St. Louis Cardinals, who has the best team, best record, best team, best record in baseball at this point in time. Any other division, the Pirates are in first place. And then you got to look at the Pirates now. They got to find a way to to get out of that wild card round. They got to find a way to get out of there. They got to find a way. But the reality is, again, they're in the wrong division. Wrong division. But that should be interesting. The Pirates and the Cardinals going back and forth. I don't think the Mets will have enough to overtake the the Nationals. I I don't see that happening. You look at the American League, I think that's going to be interesting. Tampa Bay's playing some pretty decent baseball. Not great baseball. I think the Orioles are going to be there. Uh, and, and don't sleep on the Red Sox yet. Not yet. You know, maybe Hanley Ramirez, maybe Sandoval can turn this thing around. But don't sleep on them just yet. But in the second half, it should be a lot of fun. And then you're going to worry about the deals. Who's going to go where? Cole Hamels, where is he going to go? Johnny Cueto, where is he going to go? I mean, two arms that can really change the dynamics of baseball. I mean, if wherever Hamels goes, I mean, he's had a difficult time getting run support with the Phillies over the past few seasons. Wherever he goes, he he definitely helps. I mean, this guy back, I just, I know 2008 is seven years ago, but he did in, in those playoffs, but the Philadelphia, he was a horse for the place. He was a horse. An absolute horse. And I, I look at him now. And he can definitely help anchor a staff. Definitely a, a, a top-of-the-line starter. For sure. And he's signed up. So you don't have to worry about him uh, in terms of free agency. Or, or you know, in terms of any player. He's signed up. That should be see what handles and then as we go to the second half of the season, that should be a lot. When we come back, we'll be joined by author of Winning the Money Game and former NBA star, Adonis Foyle. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Okay. 
Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. Have a go, man. And we're back. Go For It, Blog Talk Radio. Paul Gann here talking sports, having fun doing it. Each and every year, look at the NBA. You talk about money being thrown around like crazy. Demar Carroll, sixty million. Uh, uh, Anthony Davis, one hundred and forty-three million. I mean, the list goes on and on. The amount of guys who got paid, making big time. Reggie Jackson, five years, eighty million, eighty mil. I mean, all the money that's falling around, all the money that's being thrown around by GMs, owners, and the NBA is, is amazing. And for players, it's great. But the guy we're about to bring in now is going to help. He has a book out, Winning the Money Game, that may help you, may help these players. Let's bring him in now. Author, former NBA player, Adonal Foyle. Adonal, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. And Adonal, you wrote this great book, Winning the Money Game. Where did the passion come from for you? with this topic of athletes and money? I think for me, uh, one of the big things uh, throughout the course of my career, I've always tried to be an uh, advocate for players. Um, as a union representative, I spend the majority of my time uh, as part of the Players Association working uh, with players and trying to address a lot of the concerns. Um, I don't know exactly in terms of where, where it comes from, innately or what, but I just felt that it was, um, it, when you see a problem, you should try to address it. So as a part of my, um, my master's thesis in sports psychology, during the course of my MBA career, I started uh, doing uh, my master's. And then one of the things I wanted to write about was transition. And I, uh, I, re- I interviewed, I think, 10 retired basketball players and talked to them about what are some of the challenges they had in uh, retirement, and a lot of them talk about, you know, financial concerns, and not so much that they were broke, but they were like, I wish I had, you know, more people talking to me about how to save and do a better job saving. So that's kind of the um, the odyssey of, 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 the, of the book. Now, how was transition for you, going from uh, NBA player to retire? How was that transition? I thought that, you know, I had prepared myself. I went back to school. I got my master's. I finished my undergraduate. Um, I was, uh, you know, I, I thought I was ready. Um, when my knee, when I hurt my knee and I thought, you know, it's not fun anymore to try to compete when you feel like you're not completely there. Uh, so when I decided to hang it up, I thought, okay, so I'm done. I'm just going to walk away and things are going to be great. And I, I find it to be, for me, more emotionally um, difficult. It was that void that was, that was there, you know, those initial months of not having that purpose uh, of, of getting up every day, playing basketball, practicing, watching what you eat. You know, basketball was almost a way of life. And for me, that transition, I think, was very difficult because they, I didn't feel like I had that thing, that purposeful thing, that thing I'm going to get up and do every single day. So it was about finding something that will kind of replace that passion and finding a, a kind of a path that will make me uh, happy. Now, when I look at uh, various athletes, a lot of times, you know, a lot of issues they run into is their own family. 
and coming into the league, not really having a lot of money, they're almost a savior for the family. In a lot of ways, I, I want to ask you this. How does one say no to family and friends? Because in a lot of ways, that's the biggest problem for a lot of these athletes. Yeah, and that's not a very easy, and, and you don't, it's not a very easy thing to do. And I think in part because, and I talk a little bit about this in the book, is that the psychological factors that go into it, uh, because when you have a, a family member, it's not just like telling a family member, hey, no, you kind of know this person. This person probably helped you when you were growing up. They probably was there in your corner to prevent you from being um, bullied. They might have been there giving you the last dollar. So it's not as easy in terms of saying, well, just no. I mean, if some stranger comes off the street and asks you for money, that's the easiest thing to say no to. But if you say no to somebody that you know, somebody that you love, somebody that may withhold love if you, if you, if you don't do what they want, I mean, it, it becomes more difficult. So part of the challenge for, for athletes is to decide how they want to help their, 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 um, their, their family member or the entourage or the people in their life. Because I think part of, you know, part of the thing is, is that it's coming from a very good place. You want to help the people that w- was there for you. I mean, I was able to help my family. I was able to send them to school and help them to do, you know, extraordinary stuff with their life. But Therein lies the problem. You have to decide what is the limitation and what it is you want to do for them. And once that becomes clay, have a conversation about that. Have a conversation about how you want that to be the thing, the gift, whatever it is that you're going to give them, that hopefully that was going to transform their lives. We're talking to author, former NBA player, Adana Foyle, great book out, winning the money game. I want to ask you this now, and child support and, and, and babies out of wedlock. That's another thing that seems to cripple players. I mean, we've seen it. Evander Holyfield, Jason Caffey, and the list goes on and on. Talk about that. Part of the difficulty uh, is there is this social. Everybody thinks of finance in terms of could a guy come from one to ten? Do they know how well, you know, what is the value of money where to invest? And certainly those are uh, concerns for players, but there is the, there is these kind of sociological and psychological concern, like we were talking about earlier. One of these sociological things is how you choose to bring a child into the world, and why is that is why is that important? Is that is important because you could pay uh, child support could cost you anywhere from five thousand to thirty thousand a month for eight uh, eighteen years. So the manner and how you bring a kid into the world has a big, big impact on your financial future. Not, and then there's, a, of course, there's much more important stuff as well, like how is that child being raised and what is kind of the future of that child emotionally and being a, in a sustainable, loving relationship, then you have that kind of concern as well. So how we choose to procreate has a great deal to do with how we preserve our wealth, but also preserve the well-being of the child as well. Now, I know you said you've talked to players uh, over the years and given them advice. How is it usually received? (laughs) Not always. uh, You know, I had to learn how to to do things a little bit better. I I must have uh, sometimes I'm kind of brash in the way I... uh, 
I respond and some of the way I talk to people, I, I'm very straightforward. I, I, I always consider myself a no-nonsense kind of person. So when you ask me a question, I tend to be blunt. And I, I had to learn over the years, you know, how to be more subtle in that approach. But I think it, it, it has been, uh, you know, a lot of players who read it, uh, what they like about it is the simplicity of it. I wasn't, you know, trying to be highfalutin. I wanted it to be accessible, especially for young readers. Uh, I think that financial literacy is one of those areas where we no longer have it in lots of schools. We don't get an opportunity to do it in college. And our parents sometimes don't talk to, it, talk to us about it. So I wanted to make this book accessible to everybody. I want everybody to be able to get something out of it. And I think the, so the way it's been received is I think it's, it's kind of in the way that I wanted it to, which is um, you could be critical, you could be sad, you could be you know, have a varying amount of emotions, but the one that I want you to be is uh, be proactive and hopefully go out, take a look at your finances and see what you can learn as a as an athlete or as a non-athlete, see what you can learn about kind of reshaping and refocusing your financial future. I want to ask you this, and obviously you, when you came into the league, you come, you come from humble beginnings. You didn't come from a lot of money. When you first got into the league and you started getting an NBA paycheck, did you almost fall into the trap at any time in your career in terms of spending excess money? Oh, we all do. I mean, I think that I don't think that anybody could go in. I, th- I think I went into the league at probably 19 or 20. I don't think anybody can go in to becoming a professional athlete and um, and not really have those kind of temptations. Uh, and I don't think I will be credible in terms of trying to write a book if you don't have some of the same challenges that everybody has. We are, All of us in our lives, all of us as athletes, as non-athletes, have these amazing challenges that, that tries to define who we are. What I always say is that hopefully the mistakes that you make as a young person is not as big. Uh, as, uh, the, as the mistake you might make a little bit older. So if you can make like some mistakes when you're younger and the mistakes happen to be contained and doesn't spill out over everything, then you're good. But if you make mistakes where it's too big and you can't recover from it, those are the big mistakes you want to avoid. So for me, I mean, I had to deal with issues of family issues, trying to decide how I wanted to empower my family and say no to them, even though when it was difficult, I think I become more isolated uh, later on in my career because I didn't want to have those conversations in terms of those financial conversations with people. So I tried to isolate myself or I cut it off at the past. And then, uh, you know, suddenly in terms of like, you know, personal expenditures, my, uh, everybody has an addiction. I remember growing up, I had one pair of shoes. And um, when I got into the league, I think I probably bought about 50 pairs. And, uh, you know, so, you know, of all the things you can do, that is that is not buying 15 cars at $400,000. But they, they, we all have little addiction problem, and we all have stuff that we know in our, in our daily lives that we have to put a curb on, right? And uh, But for me, I had to understand what that, what that was coming from. That was coming from a place where not having, you know, this thing for so long, the tendency is to want to overdo it, and you have to really curb uh, those uh, those desires uh, and, and really making sure that there are things that you really do need to help you and make your life better. We're talking to former NBA player Donald Foyer and now author Winning the Money Game and a great book out there. 
make sure you go purchase it. Earlier in your career, during your career, I was reading a story where you left $19 million on the table to go to another team. Similar situation, David West, who left about $11 million to go to the Spurs. Take us through your mindset in terms of leaving that type of money on the table. Oh, I, the, the most important thing about the, those kind of decisions that I think we tend to think of athletes as not being human, right, is that, well, I will never do that. And I, the one thing I always say, you have to understand the emotional mindset of a player. When a player makes a drastic decision, a, a decision like that, the first thing that I, I want to congratulate them is that, they're making a decision, hopefully, that they've thought of and they've thought of, like, what are the repercussions of doing this and what does this mean for my financial future? When I make that decision, it's not that I wanted to leave the Warriors. It's that I've been with the Warriors for 10 years, I think, at that point, and I wanted, you know, I didn't know how much longer I was going to play in the league, but I wanted an opportunity to do the thing that I spent most of my life doing, which is I wanted to play. I wanted to be part of a team, not that I wanted to, 20 minutes a game or 30 minutes a game. It was like I just wanted to be part of a team and and really being utilized. And I, I don't think the Warriors at that point with Dan Nelson wanted to go in that direction with me. So I thought it was best, uh, you know, for my emotional uh, well-being as well as for the future of that franchise and for my future and for my uh, love of the game to make a decision that makes sense to me. Uh, the one thing that I always say about you know money is that that was money that I didn't earn. I didn't play. That money was for years that I was supposed to play there, and I didn't want to to be there anymore. They didn't want me to be there anymore. So it was a it was something that we needed to do uh, and to part ways in, in, in a good way and making sure that nobody is feeling you know uh, bad about it. Is that you make decisions all the time. The most important thing is that you can't let money becomes the only way that you make important decisions in your life. Money has to be one part of that. And do I want, if I have that $90 million, would I want it right now? Absolutely. <laughs> but when you're making decisions, you have to, it has, can't just be about you know, money. It has to be about your emotional well-being. It has about your, you know, your future. It has so many more um, considerations. So I, when I think of what David did, I have to think about, well, you know, this is, probably what he feels is the best decision. And, and, and the last thing I would say about it is it's not how much money you make. It's how much money you keep. And if you keep that in mind, you'll never be ruled by money. But at the same time, you can understand the value of money. And that's what I want people to get out of it, is that money becomes part of the thing you need in order to have a, a good life. But it's not the only part uh, of the thing that you need in order to have a great life. It's one part of that. You spent 13 years in the NBA. You've seen a lot over the years. What's the craziest thing you've seen in terms of player spending? <laughs> I think that for me, probably uh, the, the decision of all guys bring kids into the wall, I've seen numerous instances where a guy comes to me and, and he's paying uh, ten, you know, $15,000 a month and he's not being able to see uh, his kids. And, you know, the mother is withholding the kids from him. I've seen situations where guys, you know, buy a ridiculous amount of cars uh, at really insane prices. I'm not talking about a thirty or $60,000 car. I'm talking about a $300,000 car. And, uh, you know, so I think you see those kind of things where, it, you know, you scratch your head. You know, a guy in the locker room may have bought, like, 
this Louis Vuitton bag, and then the next <laughs> week you see every single buddy trying to buy a Louis Vuitton bag, the guy buy a Louis Vuitton bag. I mean, so we have this mentality, I think, in part, is that we all want to be like that next guy, and that becomes part of the, the, the biggest problem as well. So I, I've seen a lot, and I've tried not to really make this book about um, the things that I see, I wanted to make it more macro and talk about generally um, some of the decisions and some of the principle looking at hundreds and hundreds of players and looking for the reoccurring teams. That's why I created like two of the characters in a book called, you know, Big Ball of Tom as, a, as indicative of the decision made by so many of those players. And Steady John as a way to talk about, you know, the guy who may be a little bit lavish, but he also understands that uh, money is uh, has limits, and understanding those limitations is so important. You played for the Warriors. You worked for the Warriors. They won a championship the first time since 1975. How exciting was it for you to see the Warriors break through and get a title? <laughs> I mean, this is like one of those things where, you know, I played 10 years with the Warriors. I went to Orlando. We had a chance to go to the, the finals there. And, uh, you know, I came back uh, to California. And to have a chance to go back and uh, be a part of that team, I think, speaks to what we were talking about earlier, which is the whole how you leave is just as a, when you leave an organization and making sure that you do things the right way. And for me, I've always tried to do things the right way. But to come back and to really be part of this extraordinary journey, I mean, it was almost destined, the way that this team played uh, this year, um, the passion, the fans, uh, to, be, to be there in the lean years when, you know, you had uh, winning 16 games. But, you know, I always, I always used to appreciate the fact that we were terrible. I mean, we were so terrible at times. And you would look up in the stands and the people in the stands would be just in as much pain as we were. And I just wanted them to have an opportunity to really understand what it means to have a winning franchise. And we started doing that under the, we believe, under Don Nelson at the end of my career there in Golden State. But to have this experience and to be a part of it just from the outside looking in and to see the experience of the fans and to be and to see this team uh, the match all year to this inevitability almost and, and really playing what I consider some of the most amazing basketball and really captivating the whole Bay Area and, and the country and dare I say the world it, it, it was extraordinary and and to top it off with the championship uh, celebration was uh, truly extraordinary so you get a ring as well correct I'm still negotiating that. No, I, okay. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. But I, uh, I honestly uh, will be so. I was so tickled to be part of the parade that uh, that was more important for me than, than anything. But uh, you know, if I'm surprised and get a ring, that would be great as well. But uh, nothing could take away, I think, from the feeling and uh, and that kind of. Uh, just exhilaration when a, when, a, when a team, after waiting 40 years, get a chance to win. I mean, that is just, uh, that's amazing. Fans, make sure you go to his website, adonofoil.com. Also, go hit this man up on Twitter, at AFOIL3131, and support all the great things going on with Adonofoil. The book, Winning the Money Game, the author, Adonofoil. Adonofoil. It's a pleasure talking to you. 
wish you nothing it but was, the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Man, thank you so much. Anytime, man. This was awesome. And uh, thanks for all your support. I really do appreciate it. Take care. All right. Be well. At Donald Foyle, former NBA author, winning the game. And again, a lot of he said it. It's not the money that you make, it's the money that you keep. And it should be interesting to see uh, all these guys who, who made a boatload of boatload in, in this offseason. I made a ton of money. Money thrown around. Like hockey, and made all that money. again. Great advice from McDonald for make if you get the key. Let's move on and go to summer league play. And as I look at the summer league play. I look at, you know, obviously Jalil Okafor. He's been very good. Towns, uh, Carl Towns has been okay. Um, Moutier has, has shown some things. Porzingis has also shown some things. But you look at the whole situation with the, uh, with the Summer League and D'Angelo Russell. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's had some struggles, big-time struggles. I mean – you see the passing ability. You see the ability there. The, the ability is definitely But under his athleticism and the lack of he's not very fast. And here's the thing. I don't want to read anything in league. And I don't think anybody should read anything into summer league. It's summer league. I mean, we've seen guys over the years who've dominated summer league play and when they got on the court, have been awful. I remember back in, what, 1994, B.J. Tyler, the Philadelphia 76ers, ripped Summer League. Ripped it. Threw it. I remember reading newspapers, and, you know, guys saying, you know, GM saying they regret not taking him. But he was awful. Marcus Williams of the Nets ripped through Summer League. When he had got on the NBA court, he was okay. So I don't like to look at summer league, you know, in terms of anything really. Because most of the guys they're playing with and against won't be in the league. So I don't like to to, to look at summer league too, too much and read into what I see in summer league, good or bad. Obviously, you want to see good. You want to see guys ripping through dominating, you want to see more good than bad, for sure. But I, I, I'm not going to read too much into it. I'm, but, uh, you know, uh, Porzingis, uh, thus far, and again, I don't read too much into this. But Porzingis, he belongs on the NBA court. Obviously, I think he has a way to go. I mean, Okafor has proven that he belongs on the NBA court. I think he has a ways to go in terms of his conditioning. He's not very athletic. And I'm interested interested to see how he does and how he gets his shot off against NBA talent. And, you know, because, you know, you saw Porzingis. Porzingis has a, a good stretch up against a, 
Okafor blocking the shot a few times. Okafor is a guy, conditioning is important because he doesn't get a lot of lift. He's not very athletic. But I'm interested in like in a regular season. And this is just, you know, this is, it's not real. It's real from the standpoint there's guys that are out there getting some work and, you know, getting accustomed to, to playing in the system that they will be playing with when they get onto the, an actual NBA court against actual NBA talent. But at the same time, you know, don't read too much into it. Because it'll, if you read too much into it, you'll get tricked every time. Every single time. Trust me. But, you know, I, I enjoy summer league. I mean, this is a great time of the year. And, you know, being a Sixers fan and, and you know, having some hope with your little Oak out there, it's, it's hope. And as a Sixers fan, I need any type of hope. I trust the process. I trust the plan. I'm all for it. And I think when it's all said and done, the plan will work out. It may not work out how we want it. It may not work out when we want it. Heck, Dr. J said, management told him this is a seven-year plan. Well, I guess I got to buckle up and trust the process. When we come back, we're going to be joined by OKC Thunders, Kyle Singler. Kyle signed a big deal with OKC. We're going to answer. Kevin Durant and the uncertainty with his agency, the uncertainty whether to his resign with OKC. We'll talk to Kyle Singler when we come back to Go For Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but. That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, (laughs) too, man. (laughs) Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can have married women. We've seen you you have a pedigree. (laughs) We see what you can do. We've seen it. (laughs) I would never bring my wife around, too. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's that Rocky. (laughs) That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) We're back. Go for it. Blogtalkradio.com. Paul again here. We're going to bring in a guy at NBA Free Agency, as I said earlier. A lot of money being made by a lot of guys. You know, you got guys like John Wall saying, hey, Reggie Jackson's making the same type of money I am. And I'm an all-star. I'm a big-time point guard in this league. And Reggie Jackson's making the same type Life is all about timing. And Reggie Jackson took advantage of timing. And a lot of players have taken advantage of timing. Let's bring him in now. Forward for the OKC Thunder, Kyle Singler. Kyle, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Now, Kyle, before we get to you, OKC, they brought back Enos Kantner. They matched the offer uh, that the Blazers offer. 
What does bringing Cantner back do for you guys? Well, it's definitely a, a play that uh, is good for us. I mean, Ennis is a great player. Um, I think, you know, from the beginning, that's why they made the trade. They were looking for a, for a guy that could come in, score points down low, and uh, just be an effective guy for us uh, offensively. Now, Kyle, let's go to you now. I mean, you signed a big deal, five-year, $25 million deal. Tell us why you stayed in OKC. Well, so it, well, if you just look at their team, you know, they're, you know, set up just to be a successful winning basketball team. And my first two and a half years in the NBA uh, have been rough. You know, we haven't had a winning season. I haven't been on a winning team yet. So winning was really important to me and being on a team that had potential to, to do that and uh, was set up in that way was really uh, attractive to, uh, to me. Now, did you talk to any other teams during the process? I, I, I personally didn't. Um, my okay. agent kind of set that up by himself, and he basically got a feel for what teams, uh, you know, like if they had a good feel for me or like me. But once uh, once the trade did, or once the uh, signing period opened up, he said, you know, Oklahoma City's best team and kind of best offer that that you're going to get. So it was a no-brainer for me. Now, when you saw, you know, a bunch of other guys getting paid, you saw a lot of money being thrown around. Did that kind of excite you a little bit, knowing that you had an opportunity to get decent money? Sure. I mean, whenever you're going for a job, you know, salary is a little bit of it. But, um, you know, you want to feel comfortable with what you're signing up for. Um, you know, I signed a five-year deal for X amount of money, and uh, – I feel good with that. I feel like I have a little bit of security, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a rewarding feeling to have. We're talking to OKC forward Kyle Singler. And, Kyle, like you said, you, you went through some losing with the Detroit Pistons. Ultimately, you were moved over to OKC. When you were traded, how excited were you to, to have the opportunity to play with a Russell Westbrook, to play with a Kevin Durant? You know, when I knew that I was going to go on to a team that had the, cal- the caliber of players that they have, I was excited. Like you said, you know, you can learn from those guys. They're really, really talented players. And um, just more importantly, you know, they're good teammates. You know, I was only on the team for half, uh, for half a season. And, you know, you you learn quick why a team's good and, you know, why, why certain players are uh, more successful than others. And uh, they got a good recipe in, in, in Oklahoma City. Now, I know because of injury, you were not able to play with Durant and Westbrook at the same time. But what do you think it's going to be like to play with these two superstars? Well, you're right. Um, when I got on the team, Kevin really wasn't healthy. and um, So I never got a feel for it. But, yeah, I mean, you can imagine what uh, what it's going to be like. I, I played against those guys, so I cannot I like, uh, you know, game plan for them and play against them when, when they're on the same team. But now that I've... Now that I have the opportunity to be on the same team with them, um, you know, it just makes me want to be uh, that much better of a basketball player. Now, you did see Russell Westbrook. I mean, he would, he, he had a, some crazy moments last year, including four straight triple-doubles, just putting up ridiculous numbers. What were your thoughts that you as you were watching Westbrook? I mean, he was making an MVP run last season. <laughs> That's a funny question uh, uh, to ask because when I got on the team, that's when he went went on that that string of uh, tr- of uh, triple doubles, and 
I remember asking someone, is this normal? You know, does, <laughs> does this guy do this every night? So it's not something that you see every night. And, you know, for a guy to just have the ability to do that, uh, it's exciting to watch. That's why he's, you know, one of um, mo- most popular uh, NBA basketball players in the league that, that uh, we have. So um, he had a great end, a great end of the year, for sure. It had to be the singular effect. No, it's the Russell Westbrook effect, 100%. <laughs> We're talking to OKC forward Kyle Singler. And let me ask you this now, and obviously it didn't happen, but if, in fact, Westbrook and Durant were healthy last season, how far could you guys have gone? Yeah, I mean, you can speculate all you want. You can say KD was healthy. Even if we got that eighth spot and played Golden State, how would we do? You know, you Never know. We would play him tough for sure. But, um, you know, going into this season, I, I, I like our chances. You know, we have a really good team. We just got to stay healthy. For sure, for sure. And, and you look at your team, obviously, last season, coming into the season, everybody had OKC possibly contending for a title. To your point, yes, I, th- this is a championship-caliber team. You have security, five-year deal. What do you do now in this offseason to become a better player? Well, I'm spending time to um, recover first. Uh, after a long year, you got to take a little time off to uh, clear your mind and kind of refocus on the things that you do want to work on. So, uh, you know, shooting's up there, just getting into the gym, getting work with um, my shot, my range. Uh, but I'm really trying to strengthen my hands and my grip and uh, my footwork on defense. So a lot of footwork drills and uh, strengthening of uh, my fingers and my grip. And, and you got to know, playing with Westbrook and Durant, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for some open shots. So make sure you're getting in that gym and shooting those jumpers. You got to. <laughs> New coach in OKC, Billy Donovan, a man who's had a lot of success in college. You feel like Billy Donovan is going to be successful and is going to be able to make that transition to the pro game? Again, you know, it's always tough to, you know, See, see, uh, see the future and see how how a guy's gonna uh, transition. But you you you, uh, you can look at his history and uh, and where he comes from and his past success, and that speaks for his, uh, for itself. You know, he's won championships. Uh, he's he's been a player. He's been a success a successful guy playing and coaching. So he knows basketball. You know, he's a basketball head and. Um, I think he's going to be great. I think he's uh, he's a guy that's going to come in and guys are going to respect him. But uh, I think the most important thing is, you know, for these guys, he's a he's a fresh face. Uh, he's a new coach. So that alone brings excitement. So I think uh, there's a lot of things that um, are coming with uh, Coach, uh, coach Donovan, uh, which is not, you know, being a coach. Uh, when you made the decision to sign with OKC, was there any thought in the back of your mind about Kevin Durant and, and his future? Uh, yes and no. Um, I do know he doesn't have much longer on his contract. I think it's one more year. Um, so there's always that possibility of a player leaving, um, something that you can't get too con- uh, consumed or uh, concerned about because it's that guy's decision, it's his choice. But uh, – yeah, I mean, to lose a guy like that will, would uh, kind of change the dynamic of a team for sure. 
Now, Kyle, you're doing big things in the community with Kids Unlimited and also with the Singler Open. Tell us about it. Uh, yeah, I'm doing a uh, a. Uh, I help out with the after school program slash charter school at Medford, and uh, you know they serve kids that need extra attention in school, and uh, even after if uh, both parents are working, you know they uh, they they uh, daycare for uh, for kids as well. But um, yeah, I got connected to them uh, in in uh, high school, and. Ever since, um, I just have gained relationships and have uh, been really connected with uh, the people that work there. So uh, they uh, they help out a lot of kids, and I just feel really blessed to be a part of it. Now, fans, make sure you go to kylesingler.com and find out all the great things going on with Kyle Singler in the community. And also, make sure you go to Twitter. Hit this man up on Twitter, at Kyle Singler, and support all the great things going on. Well, Kyle Singler. Kyle, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. For sure. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Kyle Singler. KC Thunder. Yeah. Kyle gets paid. Decent money. Situation. It's a good time, Singler. Good time to be in the NBA. Also a pretty good time to be. Caitlyn Jenner, uh, who won an ESPY award, Author Ask Courage Award the other night. Uh, it's got the reality TV show going on. And, you know, it's making some pretty good money right now. A high-level popularity. And there was a lot of controversy into these ESPYs about what should have, should have, in fact, won an ESPY and, and, you know, you know, a lot of people question whether or not he should have won the award, the Author Ask Courage Award. And, and I say this, first and foremost, and after thinking about it, after talking to people, after looking around, reading and everything, first and foremost, it's an ESPY. And, you know, it's just an ESPY. It's not an Oscar. It's not an Emmy. It's an ESPY. So you can argue it's not even real. So from that standpoint, who cares? I mean, from that standpoint, who cares? But, I, I mean, you look at the award, and I don't necessarily think – here's why I don't believe it's all that – first and foremost, it happens every day. It's not an uncommon occurrence for someone's gender. It's not uncommon. It's just not. Um, you know, so it's not uncommon from that standpoint. And, and since it's not uncommon, is it really that big of a deal? Secondly, uh, you know, Caitlyn Jenner hasn't been relevant in sports for 40 years. I mean, a long, it's been a long time since Caitlyn Jenner uh, was on the Olympic uh, field doing big things in the world of athletics. You talk to most most people, and most people would think and, and think of Caitlyn Jenner as the person on uh, the Kardashian reality show. And I'm not saying that Caitlyn Jenner, you know, changed her gender for publicity to rebrand herself. I'm not saying that. But I mean, you know, she's Kardashian's 
He was a part of that family. That family. And kudos to that family. Because they have found a way to, to market themselves in a way that have made themselves highly and very successful. So I can't knock or, or, or any Kardashian for what they have done. They have them successfully. So kudos to them for that. I mean, capitalism, free market society. If you can make it and somebody's going to buy it for all, do it. Just do it. I don't knock them for that. But I am cynical. And, you know, there are reports out there that in order for Diane Sawyer of ABC to secure an exclusive interview with Caitlyn Jenner, well, they had to throw in this, this award. Don't know what it is. But there are reports out there. And Years. I mean, I, I didn't realize the SMS piece been going on. I didn't realize that for years. It's amazing. But uh, the here's the thing: the ESPYs are are are. It, it's perfect what ESPN does, and kudos to ESPN too, because look, they they put it on at a time where nothing is going on. In the middle of July, baseball's the only major going on. It's the all-star break, so there's no baseball. So there's no sports to compete with. A lot of programming runs. It's not a lot of new stuff out there. So it's perfect what ESPN does. This show, is all about growing and, and, and the ESPN brand. This show is all about uh, promoting and advertising the ESPN brand. And that's okay. If you make it, people so and I, and I was really looking forward to seeing the ratings. The ratings were up. 7.7 million viewers. It's, I mean, you expected the ratings to be up. Foremost, is on TV, national TV. So you expected a little ratings bump. Secondly, maybe more importantly, Caitlyn Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, excuse me, Caitlyn Jenner. I can't even talk. Caitlyn Jenner. She gets her award. You know, the increase is 250%. Over last year's audience, five more. <laughs> That's not surprising. So here's the thing: everybody that's up in arms about this whole situation, um, you know, uh, frustrated, you know, very upset. It's not really nothing to be upset over. It's an SB. It's not real. It's made up. This award show is made up. It doesn't matter. You, you didn't care in the past, and you probably won't care in the future. The only reason the show gets the type of, I would think, popularity 
and the only reason the show gets any type of uh, you know push and, and you know viewers on some level is because the timing. Middle of July. I am at the. I will say again. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm cynical now. I'm, I'm very cynical of the situation of, of Caitlyn Jenner. But at the end of the day, does it affect my everyday life? No. Will it keep me up at night? No. No. Is it my money? No. Why was reality TV or her reality TV show? Excuse me. I got to be respectful. No, I won't. I, I won't. I just, but I, I, I get. If you know, if in fact he's doing this, she's doing. Excuse me, because of the opportunity to rebrand herself, an opportunity to make more money. This is wrong. But if you know, I, I guess also. And here's the thing: it's difficult for me to even talk on this level. This. Situation because I'm not him, her. I, I never been through this situation. No feelings. But I'm just cynical. I mean, it, it, she's in her 60s. I'm cynical. What I now? And I guess at the end of the day, you could argue it, 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 she had to build up enough courage she had to be comfortable in in order to do something of this magnitude. But I will remain forever cynical. I will call the ESPN. And this, what, the show going to ABC? And who better to, to, to align yourself with in order to get a ratings bump, in order to promote your show, then the Kardashian Jenner brand. That's a great brand to align yourself with. It's a popular brand. And we can knock them one. We can say they have no talent. People are buying it. People are watching it. So, you know, again, you can hate on them, you can mock, but at the end of the day, when they cast that check, it's looking good. They're happy. I mean, Kim, Kim Kardashian, she became basically a celebrity off that sex tape with Ray J. But from there, she 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 turned, she used that and, and, and pushed her brand and you know, her mom, Chris Jenner, did a great job. They all did a great job of, of pushing that brand and making that brand a successful brand. Hate them, love them. They're successful, financially at least. Now you, now you can argue morally, you, you know, the, 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 the short marriage to Chris Humphreys and the sex tape and things of that nature. You can argue all that you want. I'm not going to do it here. But if we just talk business and we talk branding and marketing, you got to give it up for Chris Jenner 
and and Kim Kardashian and the whole Kardashian crew. Kudos to them. Second hour go for it starts right now. Second half hour, last half hour of Go For It. In this half hour, in this hour, we're going to be comedian Joey Long out there doing big things in California at the Laugh House, excuse me, the Laugh Factory, the Ha Ha Cafe. He's all over on YouTube. Got some YouTube videos out there. Good YouTube videos out there. Funny, funny guy. We're going to be joined by him in the next few moments. Let's go to Des Bryant now. Des Bryant, he put out a tweet the other day. Was that Monday? That, you know what? You know, I'm basically, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing. I'm not going to be there pretty much when the season starts on my contract. And you know, here, here's the thing. The boys this offseason lost their number one rusher, a, a big part of our offense to DeMarco Murray. So you knew that the Cowboys that were, were going to do something. You knew the Cowboys were going to keep Des Bryant. And you knew they were going to make a I'm offensive. He's a stud. You know, and, and he's one of the best out there. Best wide receivers in football. A game changer. You can't let, you can't have a game changer be unhappy. Same with Demarius Thomas. He got paid as well. A game changer. He's not Dez, but he's far behind. But Dez Bryant, he gets paid five years, $70 million, 32 fully and 32 guaranteed, fully guaranteed money, $20 million signing bonus. And, you know, if roster. In 2016, um, you know, an opportunity for him when it's all said and done to have 40, 45 million in guarantees. Got paid as he should, and 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 you could have a level of trepidation because some off the field things, but it seems like that wants to win. You you can sense the guy wants to win. He's going to do whatever he's got to do to win, and he wants to be successful. And I feel hopefully those uh, whatever issues he may have had financially, whatever issues he may have had off field, hopefully he settled that, took care of that, and he's got his money now. So hopefully he can just go out and ball and don't get too comfortable, just keep going out and playing the way he's played the past few seasons. And you look at his numbers and the things that he's doing, I mean, you look at compare him to like a Jerry Rice and a Randy Moss. Well, Jerry Rice is at 66 touchdowns there. Moss at 60. And Des Bryant at 56. So he's in great company. Hall of Fame company. Moss is a Hall of Famer. Jerry Rice is already there. Moss is going to get there. We'll be there. So if you're Des Bryant and you're the Cowboys, 
you guys, you know, obviously Des Bryant, he was there in the stands. What? He was there uh, during OTAs, even though he didn't want to be there, even though he didn't show up because of his contract. But he was there. He on that field, being a cowboy. You look at the play that he made that it wasn't a catch, but against the Packers. But that was a big league catch. That was a catch. I don't care what the rule says. That was a catch. I tell me it's a rule. You know, I'm not common sense to tell you it's a catch. But that was a big time play. He went up and grabbed that ball out the air and lunged to the end zone. I mean, he had a nose for the end zone. But that was an amazing play by Des Bryant. Even though it wasn't a catch, it was a catch. But you look at Des, and he's big time. A game changer. One of the best wide receivers in football. Tony Romo's happy. He tweeted out. He Hey, couldn't be happier for my guy, Des Bryant. Nobody deserves it more. Just make sure you don't forget your wild at the next dinner. All this talk of collusion, you know, with, with you know, Demarius Thomas and Des Bryant not getting their deals. But that was ultimately, uh, you know, ultimately the teams came together, brought back their weapons, and now move on forward. Romo has guy. Manning has his number one guy. So, you know, both of those uh, teams are happy. Both of those players are happy. And look, <laughs> it's not NBA money. It's not a thing. It's a funny thing. You look at it, and this is not a knock on Kyle Singler at all. But in terms of the NBA, he's a role player. Des Bryant is a superstar. And Des Bryant. Two million in guarantees. Kyle Singler, twenty-five million dollar guarantee contract. That's all you need to know in terms of uh, the the pay structure, the salary structure in the NBA, in comparison to the NFL. When we come back, we're going to be joined by comedian. Jeff. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean see. anything in the playoffs, time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was, trying to throw uh, you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Robbie. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really Okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. Have a go, man. And we're back. Go For It blogtalkradio.com, talking sports, having fun doing it. We're about to bring in a guy now 
doing some big things in the comedy scene out there in L.A., you know, getting his grind on, grinding, having a good old time. We're going to bring him in now. This man is funny, a funny guy. He's got some funny videos out there, too. You know, uh, NBA playoffs and predicting the NBA playoffs on drugs. Pretty funny. Let's bring him in now. Comedian, Joey Long. Joey. Trying to get Joey. Joey. Yo, can you hear me, man? I can hear you now. How are you? Oh, thank God. Oh, I was freaking out for a second. I'm good, dude. I'm super good. Thanks for joining us. Of course, man. I'm excited. I was listening to uh, to you talk to Kyle Singler uh, of the OKC Thunder, and um, I'm originally from D.C., so I'm a Wizards fan. I'm one of the, the few out here in L.A., but I, I stay true, man. I stay true. So when when you were predicting the NBA playoffs on drugs, did you have the Wizards going to the NBA Finals? I know you did the I, first I, round. This is I did the first round, and this is a little embarrassing, but I didn't believe that we could beat the Raptors, let alone that we could uh, that we could beat them in four games. But I, <laughs> so I, I said the Wizards would win in seven, but I kind of didn't believe it. Um, but yeah, I was. I mean, the playoffs were different, different Wizards entirely. Like going into it, we were ready to. All the fans were ready to fire the coach, Randy Whitman. We were like talking about how much we sucked, and then suddenly, it just we played a different game and we beat the crap out of the Raptors. It was amazing. Yeah, I, I didn't actually have the Raptors winning in seven myself, and I thought ultimately they would. This would be their year to finally get out of the first round, but uh, kudos to your winners. Wow, that happened. Mr., that's why they brought me here now is off to, to the L.A. Clippers. What do you think about that? Paul Pierce. Man, it was uh, – I feel like he did what he came to do. You know what I mean? He came to, to kind of push Bradley Beal and uh, John Wall around a little bit. I mean, they since he joined the team, they're a lot tougher and a lot – Kind of, they're more intense on the court. They're meaner, not in a, you know, they're mean in a basketball way. And I think he influenced them enough. Now he's going to go uh, on the super jacked up Clippers and do whatever it is that they're doing over here uh, on that team. I have no idea what to expect from them, but they're on paper they're stacked. So we'll see what happens. Let me ask you this now, and and you know I saw you tweet this out about DeAndre Jordan. You know, him and his ACLs. I mean, you were none too happy about DeAndre Jordan saying yes and then ultimately saying no to Mark Cuban a week later. Talk about that. Dude, uh, I mean, in a way I can relate to the DeAndre Jordan thing. Like, I've been in situations like that where I was, like, set to do something and then backed out last second and had, you know, my mom cover for me and all that. The problem is I was, I was like nine years old when that happened. And then I grew up a little bit and I realized, okay, if I'm going to flake out on someone, I should do it myself. And it's True. pretty, I mean, it's pretty embarrassing what happened. It was really, especially for the Cavs and Mark Cuban, like they're sitting there looking like idiots. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, I, 
to your point, I mean, be a man about it. I mean, if you don't want to do it, don't, you know, I mean, maybe you could have called uh, your mom. Maybe your mom could have did it for him. She would have done a great job. She would have had Mark Cuban excited about not having DJ. Like, that's how good <laughs> she is at that kind of thing, which made it tough for me to, to fire her as my agent, uh, so to speak, <laughs> and, uh, and go, you know, and go solo and have to do all those talks myself. I mean, I've broken up with a couple of girlfriends in my life, and would I have liked my mom to do it for me? Of course I would. That would be so much easier, you know? Just But the good thing now in 20... 20- not to interrupt you, but the good thing now in 2015 oh. is you can Facebook message it, you can tweet them, you can text it. I mean, if you want to break up with a, with a girl now. Yeah, and DJ had choices, and he, he didn't use any of those. He didn't even tweet about it. He just kind of, he bailed. He, he phantomed. So hypothetically, uh, speaking, hypothetically speaking, if he would have asked you to do it, how would you have handled it? I'll, I'll be Mark Cuban, and you'll, and you'll be right. uh, uh, the guy that DeAndre Jordan wants to handle his business. Okay, all right. Um, hey, Mark, how's it going, man? Uh, listen, so you haven't heard from DJ in a while, am I right? Correct. It's been a week. It's been a week, yeah. Whoa. Time flies, my man. Time flies. When you're having fun. Get to the point, what man. What DJ is doing. Oh, sorry. Okay, wow. Huh. You're right, you're right. Uh, listen, DeAndre is, uh, he met his childhood hero, Paul Pierce, the other day. And he was okay. elated, he was so excited, and Paul told him, after he signed an autograph for DeAndre, he told him that he's going to play for the Clippers, and that DeAndre might have a, cho- a, a chance to play with his childhood hero. So, Mark, listen, the whole playing for the Mavs thing and Chandler Parsons, all that stuff. Listen, huh? it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, dude. I'm sorry. He told me he loved me. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes love is complicated, Mark. Like, on the Shark Tank, you know? Like, you get an offer at the beginning, and it might not always go through. You know about these things, my friend. You know. I, I called him, and he wouldn't answer my calls, my texts, my anything. He told me he was on a date. It's be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's not okay. You can tank, baby. You can tank it out. (laughs) Dirk's knees are like absolute, they're like like noodles. They're like wet spaghetti right now. I mean, what are you going to do this year? Even if you had DJ, you just tank it out, baby. There's a great class coming in. (laughs) Okay, fine. I'll accept it. But don't do it again. Oh, promise. You have my word. <laughs> We're talking to comedian Joey Long. and uh, Joey, for anyone who, who has not seen a Joey Long show, seen it live, what can they expect to see? What can they expect out of Joey Long, the comedian? Well, I pretty much talk about myself uh, for the most part. I'm only 25 years old, and if I, uh, if I go out on stage and try to talk about the world, you know, and life and big concepts people who are older than me understandably so kind of look at me like what do you know you're a kid you know compared to that and so i try to keep it about me i talk about my failures at all kinds of things i i mean i failed at so many things it's phenomenal it's truly phenomenal uh with women with uh sports with making the basketball team in high school which i 
stupidly thought I had a chance at, and uh, all kinds of stuff like that. It's, it's very self-deprecating, but in a digestible way. It wasn't meant to be. <laughs> it wasn't. But I, I, was the, uh, I was the team manager for a little bit, so I got to at least uh, give water to some thirsty people, and I got to give towels to some uh, sweaty people. So really, I, I, I found my role on the team, even though it wasn't uh, shooting jumpers like, uh, like I wanted it to be. <laughs> and you're a D.C. guy, and you're out there in L.A. Mm-hmm. How's the adjustment been for you? It's been, uh, it's been good. The weather here is, uh, I mean, obviously way better. And uh, the, it's, it's pretty great. <laughs> i got to say, D.C. has uh, a lot of charm to it, and I, I still love my friends and family there. I love the sports teams, obviously, uh, except for the, the Redskins. I'm like, I'm pretty much done with them, but that's a different topic. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> but, yeah, it's been great over here, and um, I, I've been – doing the grind of stand-up comedy. It's not easy, but if you can make the, the crappy parts of it fun, then it really is kind of a breeze. And, uh, and yeah, I was, you know, as a Wizards fan out here, I, I've been hearing a lot of people talk about KD, you know, Kevin Durant coming okay. to the Wizards. And uh, I don't know if Kyle Singler is still listening to this, but I want to propose maybe a little challenge. Uh, Do it. One-on-one. That's all I'm saying. One-on-one, Kyle Singler versus me, and here's the deal. If I win, the Wizards get Kevin Durant, no questions asked. <laughs> if you lose? He wins, which, if he wins, which, I mean, let's be real, what are the odds of that? If he wins, then the Thunder get uh, Martel Webster or somebody like that. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like Will a great Will I think we still have him. Uh, I think he's a free agent, but uh, maybe you'll have him at some point. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Let me That's ask you this. Uh, KD coming to, to you guys, uh, do you think yeah. it's a possibility coming to the Wizards? You know, free, I think free agency in general is a lot like, like I mentioned before, like uh, courting women and, and trying to be with a girl. <laughs> and, like, if you get your hopes up, when a girl shows a little interest and you really like that girl, because I really like KD. I love him. I love everything about his style of play. He's perfect for the team that we've built. I mean, I don't want to get my heart broken, Paul, but it's, it's looking kind of hopeful. And I think it's a genuine possibility. I mean, in the past, I've done things in order to make myself more, attractive to a girl I like and I really want her to be my girlfriend. So I read books, like full books that a girl said on Facebook that she liked just to walk past her and talk to her about it. Did it work? That's kind of what the wizards are doing. You know, we don't need to talk about it, but <laughs> maybe we're usually, usually it, it's about 50, 50. Let's say that it's been about 50, okay. 50 doing that kind of tactic. And I think the wizards right now, are doing that kind of thing, you know? They're learning <laughs> KD's interests. What kind of movies he likes, you know? What, what food he's interested in eating. And they're building the team around him. Power forward is our weakest spot right now. It's, it's almost a little too obvious, you know? It's going to 
it's going to be bad if we don't get it. You know what I mean? We're talking. We're, we're for sure. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we went to Washington, but also wouldn't be surprised if we stayed in OKC. I mean, right. he's definitely a, a loyal guy. And, you know, maybe he stays loyal to that OKC franchise, or maybe he stays loyal to his hometown as well and decides to come on home. LeBron did it. Why can't Kevin Durant? We're talking to comedian Joey Long. And, Joey, you're talking about – you talked about the grind. You know, you know you're 25 years old. Put in perspective the grind of, you know, going to, to this – this place, the laugh, fa- laugh factory, off to the Ha Ha Cafe. I mean, put it into put it into perspective. The grind. Well, here's how I look at it. It's tough because to anyone can be funny in in a friend's situation, but learning to do stand up is is a difficult skill to get good at because say you're learning how to play the trumpet. You know, the first year you're going to suck. You're going to suck really bad the first couple of years. All you know how to play is uh, hot cross bun and Mary had a little lamb. So you're not going to big concert halls and big shows performing, you know, hot cross buns and Mary had a little lamb. You're not doing that. But in stand-up, it, it doesn't exist without an audience. It just doesn't. So, the first time you do it, the first year, two years, three years, you're going to suck really bad. And all of your friends and family are going to see you, you know, bombing. <laughs> and it's embarrassing. And so if you can handle that, you know, just being okay with mediocrity at first and just trying to get better and better and not really caring that, you know, some guy who's been doing it for a few more years than you is making it or someone who's been, you know, doing it maybe the same amount of time as you, but doing it more often is getting more shows or blah, blah, blah. It's just, you have to just focus on yourself and how good you are compared to how good you were a couple months ago. It's basically (laughs) a self thing. You can't compare to other people because it'll drive you crazy. So what's next for Joey Long? What's next for me, man? I, uh, I'm going to put my name into the D league for the NBA and I'm going to see if maybe I can get in toward the tail end uh, of the wizard. They have a consolation game coming up. If I could play for them, <laughs> that would be phenomenal. I think I really, my jumpers improved a lot. Uh, what's next for me in real life is I, I'm going to continue doing shows. I have uh, a few shows that I'm producing now. Um, one at the Hollywood improv, which is a great venue. Um, I'm doing a house party show at a friend's place, uh, which should be a lot of fun. I'm going to keep working on stand-up, keep uploading videos to the internet, and uh, kind of see what happens. For sure. Now, where can fans find information about some of the great things going on with Joey Long? Well, my Twitter and my Instagram is the same thing. It's Joey Long Island, as in Long Island, New York, which is a cool from. So, fans, make sure you go to this man's Twitter feed. Make sure you go to his Instagram feed, at Joey Long Island, and support all the great things going on with Joey Long. Joey, a pleasure, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Absolutely. 
and, and no more drugs before you predict uh, NBA play, the NBA playoffs. Uh, I'll try my best, dude. I'll try my best. <laughs> Take care. Cheers, man. <laughs> Joey Long, comedian. Again, support this man at Joey Long Island on Twitter and Instagram, and, and, and support his journey. I mean, he, he has some funny videos out there for sure. And so definitely go on to his Twitter page, definitely go on to his Instagram page, and, and definitely uh, listen to all the great things going on with Joey Long. Funny guy. Funny guy. He's trying to get out there on the basketball court, trying to save his beloved Wizards. And, you know, uh, before last year, you could say they needed some saving. Last season, though, it was a good year for the Boston, uh, not the Boston, for the Washington Wizards. I mean, you had a guy in, Paul Pierce, Mr. That's why they bought me here, uh, Mr. You know, Big Shot, Mr. Game, Mr. I call game, Mr. All those things. So, you know, having him obviously was a boost to the uh, Washington Wizards game of vet- veteran presence, a veteran influence. And so definitely uh, Paul Pierce going off to the Clippers. You know, I'm, and to Joey's point, he did what he was supposed to do. He came to the Wizards and gave them that presence Gave him a guy who can hit big shots, a big, big shot maker. And he was a big shot maker. You know, whether it was, uh, what was that game? What was that game two? Game three, maybe. I think it was game three where, where they went up two games to one. He hit that bank shot. Even game five, um, when, it was, uh, when he hit that jumper, and ultimately they would lose that game because, uh, you know, uh, Al Horford would get that put back, and ultimately the uh, Hawks would win game number five, ultimately win game six, and ultimately win the series. Just looking around the NBA, Josh Smith, he signs with the Clippers. Uh, obviously, that's a big boost for the Clippers. I mean, last week, well, two weeks ago, you figured the Clippers were in some serious trouble. DeAndre Jordan, he was gone. He was off. He was, he was, uh, you know, he was off to, to the Mavericks. He was with Mark Cuban and those boys. And then he changed his mind. And Paul Pierce, the truth, you know, the truth did what the truth had to do. Chris Paul did what he had to do. Doc Rivers did what he had to do. J.J. Reddick did what he had to do. And ultimately, those guys did what they had to do. And, uh, and they went out there and they convinced DeAndre Jordan to come on home. Stay home. Don't go. Don't go back home. Well, he would uh, theoretically would be going back home to Dallas, to, to Texas. But, you know, they convinced him to stay in L.A. with the Clippers. And, you know, that's what he decided to do at the end of the day. You know, you can knock the decision. Well, you can knock the way he went about his decision. You can't knock his decision. You can knock the way he went about his decision. But at the end of the day, he did what was best for him. And when players get an opportunity to do what's best for them, you got to take advantage of it. You've you, you got to do it. you got to do it. But definitely uh, DeAndre Jordan, obviously him going and, and staying with the Clippers and Josh Smith going to the Clippers is definitely a big boost for the L.A. Clippers as they go back and try to, to erase what happened in that second round against the Houston Rockets where, you know, they, they, had, they had the series. Three games to one, game six up 20, and they give it away. So, you know, obviously they want to erase what happened there and ultimately have a level of success moving forward. And, and that team, is they have to win it now. They're, they're not built for tomorrow. You know, Chris Paul's getting up there. I know you got a young stud in Griffin and, and, and DeAndre Jordan, but you can argue their best player, Chris Paul, and he's getting a little older. So the Clippers are in win-now mode. And I believe last season was their opportunity to win now. They had their opportunity, and they let it go. 
they let it go. I mean, three games to one, you know, OKC, uh, you know, OKC not being at 100%. They're going to be back 100% next season. You beat the Spurs, you know, one of the best teams in the Western Conference, best teams in basketball. You have to take advantage of that. And OKC, excuse me, um, the Clippers did not take advantage of it, but we'll see if they can take advantage of it this season. I want to thank Kyle Singler for stopping by. Hit him up on Twitter at Kyle Singler. Also want to thank Adonal Foyle for stopping by. Hit him up on Twitter, A Foyle thirty one thirty one, and also buy his book, Winning the Money Game. And also Joey Long for stopping by. Hit him up on Twitter, Instagram at Joey Long Island. Support all the great things going on with those guys. You can listen to this show and other great shows, BlogTalkRadio.com slash began, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at Go for Kent G O F O R I T G A N T. For everybody here at Go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.